And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We're in a series of messages called Taking the Limits Off God, and our core verse is from Psalms 78, verse 41. Let's read this aloud together, everybody. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Let's read it one more time. Everybody together, use your best voice. Let's raise the rafters. Here we go. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. This is a reference to what happened in Numbers 13 when Moses sent out 12 spies to spy out the promised land and they came back and they said it's a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey but there are giants there the people are strong and they have walled cities and we are like grasshoppers and they limited what God wanted to do in their life and I don't know about you but I don't want to limit God I don't think you do either and that's the reason we're looking at in the book of Joshua at Joshua and that Israelite generation that took the promised land and did not limit the Lord. Now in Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 it says now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly saying go view the land especially Jericho. Notice it says to spy secretly. That word secret means it was a classified mission. Other people weren't to know about it. And it tells me that Joshua was intending to take Jericho by force. He was unaware that God had a miracle prepared for him. He was unaware that he was going to be in just a night or two. He was going to encounter the captain of the Lord's host. And he was unaware that God was going to tell him to have the armies to march along with the priest and the ark of the Lord to march one day for six days and blow a trumpet and then go back to camp. Then on the seventh day, they're going to march seven times and blow the trumpets and the walls literally were going to fall down flat. He didn't know this stuff. Well, folks, here's the deal. You and I can get so dependent on depending on ourselves that many times we don't make room in our heart or in our thoughts for God to do a miracle for us. We don't make room for God to come through and do what he's best at doing. And I just believe that you and I need to expect a miracle every single day. I believe you just need to expect that you're going to see people when you share the gospel with them. You need to expect a miracle. They're going to say, yes, I want to receive Jesus. When you ask the question, if you died tonight, would you wake up in heaven? You're going to find people saying, I'd like to know more about what you're talking about. You're going to see people, you're going to see people doing, doing, do, doing things in answer to your faith that you never thought they would do. You're going to see God answering your prayers. You're going to see people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit because you're reaching out saying, I'm going to be Jesus' hands extended. You're going to see people healed because the Bible says these signs are going to follow those that believe. And it says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. See, you just need to expect to see God doing wonderful things for you. You need to even expect that he's going to provide good parking spaces for you at the mall. Come on. The time to start believing for a good parking space is not when you pull into the parking lot. 
So about two miles before you get there, you just start saying, Jesus, I thank you for a good parking place. Lord, I thank you. Now, some of you, some of you need the exercise, and so you should park a long way off. But you should expect, God, I just thank you that you're meeting every need. I thank you, Lord God. You know where the deals are. Bob Weiner who was raised Jewish in Chicago, said, I used to, he used to tell me, he says, I once asked my daddy, I said, daddy, why did God create Gentiles? And he says, well, somebody's got to pay retail. (laughs) But you and I have been grafted in, amen? (laughs) We've been grafted in, according to Romans chapter 11. That means we don't have to pay retail, amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, God's at work even when you can't perceive it. God's at work when you can't see it. Never forget that God is your source. It's important to always talk about the goodness of God, to talk about the greatness of God, to talk about how God has met your needs, to talk about the goodness of the Lord. When you sit around the dinner table with your children, sometimes I even make myself cheat notes and put them in my front pocket. Cause, and I'll pull it out and I'll remember that, hey, I need to talk to the kids about this. I'll remind them. I'll say, kids, you know, I haven't always been a pastor and I haven't always lived for Jesus. But I remember the day in 1971 that God had mercy on me and that David Wilkerson gave that altar call and he preached on the prodigal son. And I was a prodigal in those days. And, and, and kids, I remember how I responded to that. And I remember the grace of God that has never left me. And I remember he laid hands on me and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and began speaking in a brand new language and I've never lost the glow of what the Holy Spirit started in those days God is so good I start telling them how there are times that Kathy and I had our backs against the wall we didn't know how things were going to work we didn't have enough food we didn't have money to pay bills but God never never let us down as David said I've never amen I've been young and now I'm old but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. Folks, always remember this. God is good and the devil is bad. Really. Just say, God good. Say it with me. God good. Say it again. God good, devil bad. Devil bad. Let's try it again. God good, devil bad. If you'll just keep that in mind, when life doesn't make sense, you can start getting some perspective. Amen? Our God is a good God. I mean, some people talk about the devil as if he's a great devil. Some people talk about the devil as if he's in a boxing ring with God. And, you know, poor God's getting beat up by the devil. Oh, church, you need to pray for God because he's getting beat up. How many of you remember that movie from the, oh, it's, it's, it's been around a while, but it's called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think some people... They have shrunk their God and they've magnified the devil. Some of you, you just need to quit magnifying the devil. It's kind of like the the fellow that met me after church one day. He waited till everybody had left and he says, oh, did you feel the demons in here today? And I said, you know what? I wasn't looking for any demons. I was looking for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I was looking for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm telling you, God and the devil aren't even in the same classification. They're not even in the same category. They're not even in the same universe. The devil is a created being. God is the creator. God said, let there be light. 
And light did not gather around a conference table and say to be and not to be. That is the question. God said, let there be light. And light begins shining and shining. And God has never rescinded that command. That's the reason when I read in the paper or, or, or on the internet or here on the news, well, scientists through the Hubble telescope have discovered a new solar system. Well, it may be new to, to mankind, but God knew it was there all the time because he created it and his light is now shining on it and light is just going forth. It's going forth. It's going forth. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the devil had a beginning and an ending. God has no beginning and no ending. The Bible says in the beginning, God, period. God has always existed, always will exist. And on the cross, Jesus defeated the devil. In fact, Colossians 2.15 says he disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Paul says the very God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Hallelujah. Look at me. Everybody hear this. The only power the devil has in your life is the power that you give him. The only power the devil has in your life is the power that you give him. You say, what does that mean, pastor? I'm going to tell you something. When you go out and commit willful sin, you're giving place to the devil. Ephesians chapter 4 says, don't give place to the devil. Remember, Jesus looked at Peter one day. He says, Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you, but I have prayed for you. Satan wants to sift you. Oh, Lord, it's not going to happen to me. I'm never going to deny you. But yet that night, three times, Peter denied Christ three times and he cursed. I know not the man. Here's the deal. The devil can only sift you where there's sin in your life. See, there was pride in Peter's life. Lord, I'll never deny you. But he was sifted in that place that he thought he was strong. So the devil gets access to our lives through willful, wanton, rebellious sin. And he gets access when you and I glorify the devil. When we talk about the devil. Mm. You say, hey, Pastor, you just don't understand. The old devil's been giving me a hard time. Well, folks, I'm not saying that the devil won't give you a hard time. I'm not saying the devil won't attack you. I'm just saying that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you've got authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And you can simply say in Jesus' name, devil, cease and desist. Be gone. Hallelujah. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, we read these words. It says that Jesus endured the cross... Then it says, he despised the shame. You know what I'm talking about? He endured the cross. This is Romans chapter, excuse me, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He endured the cross and he despised the shame. What does that word mean, despised? I'll tell you what it means. It means to devalue the shame of the attack of the enemy. See, the devil was trying to kill God on the cross, he didn't realize that God was taking upon himself the sin and the sicknesses of the world. He didn't realize that when Jesus was taken and put into the grave, that he wasn't going to stay in the grave, that he was going to come out. Hallelujah. Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. 
He made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them in it. He despised the shame of the cross. What does that mean? That means that Jesus did not make going to the cross a big deal. Now they say people say amen when they agree with what you're saying and they know it already. When it gets quiet, they're learning something new. Jesus despised the cross. He says, I'm not going to make a big deal about having to give up my life. He had already prayed in the Garden of Eden, Lord, take thy, this, this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He had already gone through Gethsemane. And when he got to the cross, he says, I'm not going to make a big deal of it. A lot of us have problems because we make our, our difficult times, we make a big deal out of them. The devil attacks you and you make a big deal out of it. You talk about it all the time. You nurse, rehearse, and curse what's happened. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And then you wonder why you're depressed. Then you wonder why you can't get up in the morning. Then you wonder why nothing seems to be going good for you. I'll tell you, Jesus was a man of sorrows. And he was acquainted with grief. And he's touched by the feelings of your infirmities. I'm not saying we don't go through some things that that doesn't knock us flat at times. I'm not saying that the devil won't attack you. I was preaching down in South America years ago in the, in the, in the, in, in, in Peru in a, in a, in the rainforest in a little, little community called Terrapoto. And we had rented the soccer stadium and brought in one of the best Jesus rock groups in South America. And man, the people came. We had about 3,000 people standing room only. And you know, down there, everything's on Latin time. And so you announce you're starting at seven. That means you start at eight. So, so they've been worshiping for an hour and a half, so now it's 9.30. Now it's getting close to my bedtime. But I'm the one that's got to preach that night. And I'm back behind the, behind the platform, and I'm praying up a storm. And suddenly I can't tell you the confusion that assailed my mind. It was just like demonic spirits were just, and I didn't realize what was happening at the time. All I knew is I had such confusion, I couldn't even have told you what my name was. And it lasted for about 20 minutes. And I begged other pastors that were there, would you preach tonight? Would, no, I'm not preaching tonight. Would you preach tonight? No, I'm not preaching tonight. And when it was time for, for me to get started, I just walked out there, and I'm still feeling kind of numb. And God gave me a word of knowledge. I said, there's a man here, and God's healing you you've had something you've had a growth on your head and god is healing you and there's just kind of a murmuring in in the congregation that many people and and i looked and there was a man in the back and he started making his way up to the platform and he had this growth on top of his head and as he made his way up to the platform that growth got smaller and smaller and smaller now That man had divorced his wife and was living on the edge of Terrapoto with a 14-year-old girl. The whole community, I, I, I realize now what the Holy Spirit was doing. I didn't know. The Holy Spirit, all the people knew this guy. He came up there. I prayed for him. He fell over in the Spirit. And suddenly I knew what to preach. I began to preach. I didn't even know what I was going to preach. 
I began to preach on the anointing. Do you know that night we had about 160 people get saved? Do you know that that night, that night, we had a whole lot of people getting delivered. We had a whole lot of people baptized in the Holy Ghost. We had a lot of people healed. Folks, there are times the devil will attack, but here's what I'm saying to, to, trying to tell you. You and I need to expect a miracle and not esteem and not magnify what the devil is doing. We need to esteem and we need to magnify what the Father, what the Son, and what the Holy Ghost are doing in our lives. Can you say hallelujah? Glory to God. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Let me just say this. The next time the devil gives you a hard time, next time the devil tries to condemn you and put you down, you just remind him of what his future is. Because Revelation 20, verse 10 says, The devil will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone and will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever. I'm saying, guys, we need to expect miracles. We need to expect God to work in our life. Again, look at verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. You know, I used to read this, and, and I would say, Lord, why did you send these spies to the home of a prostitute. Why did you send them to a harlot? It certainly was not to have relationship with her. Why did you do that? And then one day it dawned on my lightning fast mind. The reason God always knows what he's doing. God sent them to the one place where strange men were coming or going. And people had learned not to ask questions. Yeah. I'm telling you, God knows He knows exactly what he's doing. God led these two spies to the one person in all of Jericho who had faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, let's let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. Look at what the Word of God says about this prostitute named Rahab. It says, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. I mean, this little lady, God sent, God always knows what he's doing. That's the reason we can't trust in our own understanding. Because in my mind, if I've been sent out, hey, my mama told me, you don't go to those places. You stay away from those kind of places. That's not where you, where you, where you go to hide or to spend the night. But God knew what he was doing because this little lady had faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, how many of you realize that King David is a descendant of Rahab the harlot? Now, th- how many of you like King David? You like the stories about David? I do too. Did you know that his great, great grandfather ended up marrying, his name was, was Salmon, and, or Salmon, S-A-L-M-A-N. He ended up marrying Rahab 
the harlot, and they had a little boy, and his name was Boaz, and Boaz became a very successful landowner and businessman, and Boaz married a Moabite lady named Ruth, and they had a little boy named Obed, and Obed got married, and he had a little boy named Jesse, and Jesse got married, and he had seven sons, and his final youngest boy's name was King David, the giant slayer who became the king. Hallelujah. Now, here's what's really amazing to me. If you'll go back to Matthew chapter 1, don't do it right now, but maybe this afternoon, go read the the genealogical line of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you'll find find that Rahab was King David's great-great-grandmother. You'll find that 28 generations on down from King David, there was a man named Joseph who was betrothed to a lady named Mary who became the adoptive father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that Rahab was the adoptive great 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 grandmother of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to catch this. Everybody look at me. Don't you ever condemn yourself because of your past? Don't you ever tell yourself, well, God can't use me because I used to do this and I used to do that. God can't use me because my father was a bootlegger and my, and my mother was a harlot. Don't say God can't use me because I used to knock over 7-Elevens and deal drugs. God can't use me because I'm a murderer. I'm telling you, God even uses murderers. How many of you know that Moses was a murderer? How many of you know that Saul of Tarsus He decreed that Stephen, one of the first deacons of the church, he decreed that Stephen was to be stoned to death. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not endorsing murder this morning. I'm against that. But I am for grace, and God's grace is greater than all our sins. Hallelujah. God's grace is bigger than your past. God saves from the uttermost to the guttermost. The blood of Jesus knows no boundaries. It reaches to the highest mountains. It flows to the lowest valleys. The blood that gives us strength from day to day will never, never, ever lose its power. Hallelujah. Jesus said this in in, in Matthew chapter 9. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is called today. Because the night is coming when no man can work. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is called today. Sometimes people will come up to me, even even preachers will come up and say, well, nothing I do seems to be working. I've tried this and I've tried that and I've tried the other. So the question is this, are you doing the works of Jesus? I must do the works of him who sent me. Are you doing the works of Jesus? Are you, are you, are you bringing people to Christ? Are you laying hands on the sick? Are you casting out devils? Come on. Are you, are you ministering to the, to the needy? Are you helping the poor? Come on. Are you, are you praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Are you raising the dead? Are you doing the works of Him who has called you? Now that's not just for pastors. Some of you look at me. Some of you are frustrated with your job. You're frustrated with your life. Are you doing the works of Jesus? He said, I gotta do the works of Him who has called me. Because the night's coming when nobody can work. You know, I'm just so proud of everybody at Evangel who's involved in doing the works 
of Jesus, especially in outreach. I think of Pastor Zach Barnes. Pastor Zach and our college ministry, now for about three months, have been going over to Tallahassee Community College every other Thursday. They go over there and they've got permission to set up a table and give away free pizza and offer free prayer. And do you know that now on a regular basis, you've done it now for a number of weeks, Zach just told me, he says, we have on a regular basis, we have 70 to 80 people that come by on Thursday at lunchtime that want prayer. And about 30 of them don't even want pizza. (laughs) Hallelujah. I must do the works of him who called me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, I think, Glenn, Glenn, I think about, I think about Saturday a week ago. We, we, we joined with Astoria Park Elementary School because Pastor Glenn went over to Astoria Park three years ago and volunteered as a custodian. He says, what can I do to bless you and help you? And, and, and over the years, we've done different things for the, to bless the faculty over there and, and just be a difference. And, and God used that to give us favor with Dr. Sanders, the principal, and others. And so now for about the third or the fourth year, we've been able to have our giant Easter egg hunt at Astoria Park Elementary School. And they give flyers to all the students, inviting them to come. So Saturday a week ago, we had 1,200 people attend our Easter egg hunt. We gave away, we gave away 14,000 Easter eggs, plus a lot of gifts and surprises. But not only, we had about over 40 volunteers pulling all that off. The fire department came and brought their big engine. Thank God for that. But they let us set up a prayer tent. And it's a big tent that says prayer. And over 30 people made their way over there to get prayer. And over five people testified to being healed. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. I must work the works of him who sent me. Sometimes you're frustrated because you're doing a lot of things, but you're not doing the works of him who sent you. You're not cleansing the lepers and you're not raising the dead and you're not casting out devils. And you're not healing the sick and you're not sharing the good news of the gospel. I think about Dr. Scandamayo. Just wave, wave real big to us. This is Dr. Andrew Scandamayo right over here. He's got a hairstyle like mine. (laughs) Thank God. I mean, how often do you find an MD that's so hungry to do the works of the Lord Jesus that he's willing to give up his time, talent, and treasure to hit the streets? Dr. Scandamayo has gone to the bus station to share the gospel, even when the police say, you, you can't do this here. He says, okay, thank you. But he just keeps on going, and he's winning souls to Christ. Let me tell you what else. Dr. Scandamayo is going to the homeless center, to the Kearney Homeless Center, sharing the gospel. You know, sometimes people that have everything in life, they don't know their need of the Lord. Jesus said the poor will hear the gospel gladly. So Dr. Scandamayo, I'm sure these people don't realize he's an MD, but and let me say this to you, Dr. Scandamayo, he is not my mom's physician, but he showed up the other day at the Woodmont Center, and man, you would have thought that, that Ringo Starr had come. I mean, he showed up, and all those nurses said, oh, we didn't know that you knew Dr. Scandamayo. I mean, they're giving mom a special treatment, all that kind of stuff. But but we're, we're working on getting transportation so we can start bringing some people from... How many of you would like to work with that? You'd help us with that if we could. We can pull this off. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, stay tuned. Stay, Jesus said, I've got to must work the works of Him 
who has sent me, can you say hallelujah? Glory to God. You say, well, pastor, I, I, I just don't know that I, I can, I can do the works of him who sent me. Maybe, maybe if I lose some weight, then I could do it. Man, if I waited to lose some weight, I wouldn't be preaching. When the roll is called up yonder, I'm going to be there. Amen. I've taken up the role of ministry. Amen. Somebody asked me, said, do you like rock and roll? I said, my, my foot's on the rock and my name is on the roll. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody said, well, well, if, if I was just better looking, if I, if I look better, then I'd do the work of ministry. If I, then if I look better, I'd feel better about myself. Let me tell you something. I know pastors and they are pretty people. I know some pastors, not here in Tallahassee, but in Chicago and other places. I know some pastors that they get up in the morning and, 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 and they do an hour and a half workout. They're lifting weights one day and the next day they're working on their cardiovascular stuff. After they work out, they meet with their dietitians, and then they go and get under the sun lamps. And and because because they, they, they look like movie stars, they look great. And then they go get a pedicure, get a manicure. They look wonderful. They look like like movie stars, but they're not doing the works. Woo! Come on now. There are a whole lot of people that look like they got their act together, but they're not doing the works. Let me tell you a story. When I, many years ago, when I was at CBN with the 700 Club, one day I got a call and asked if I would take a particular guest on the 700 Club out to lunch. And it was a well-known pastor from the Midwest. And, um, and he was, he was just a very, very gifted communicator. And I was excited to meet this person and take them. And, and so I, I thought when the program was over that day, I thought we would just go to a local restaurant. And this person said, well, you know, I don't get to the East Coast very often. And I'm really excited about getting some seafood. Can we go to some restaurant where I can see the Atlantic Ocean? I said, okay, it's a little bit of a drive. It's about 12 miles to drive down there, but we'll do it. So I took him down there. After we had eaten, this person said, you know, I don't get much opportunity to walk in the sand. And I'm thinking, well, we're not dressed exactly to go, uh, to be walking in the sand. But I said, okay, we'll do it. So we're walking in the sand. What I didn't realize is this person, really, he's got the same hairstyle I do. Okay. But what he did is he took it from the back and he combed it down. And it was kind of curly and kind of fluffy. And what I didn't realize is he dyed it kind of an auburn red hair color. And he had, he had these bobby pins, the same color as his hair, kind of holding it down. Now, when you just looked at him, it looked like he had a nice head of hair. But what I noticed is we're walking along the beach, the wind's blowing. And his hair is going, whoo, 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 whoo. Folks, here's my point. Your hair may be going, whoo, 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 whoo. But you got to do the works of him who has called you. The night's coming that nobody's going to be able to work. Verse 7. <laughs> Jesus forgive me. 
Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. Fords, that means that's where the, where the river branches off. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Now I want you to pay real attention to verses 9 through 11 here. I know the Lord has given you the land and the terror of you has fallen on us. Everybody say terror. The terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted. Say faint-hearted. Because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, of whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Everybody say, hearts melt. Look at the three things. Verse 9, the terror of you. You made us faint-hearted. Now our hearts are melting. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Dear ones, 40 years earlier, God wanted the children of Israel to take the promised land. They said it's a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey, but there are walled cities. The people are strong and there are giants And ten of the spies brought a bad report, an evil report. Listen to me. An evil report coming out of your mouth is anything that limits the Lord your God in your life. Forty years earlier, they said, we can't go forward. Two men, Joshua and Caleb, who had a different spirit, said, yes, we can. God is for us. Fast forward 40 years later, he sends out two spies. He had learned, don't send out 12. He sends out two spies and they find the one woman who believes in God. And she says, here's what's going on. The terror of you has fallen on us. We are faint hearted. Our hearts melted. That's what was actually going on 40 years earlier. But the people refused to believe God. Here's what I'm saying to you. The things that go bump in the night many times hold you back. Many times fear and frustration hold you back when God's already fighting your battles and God's already making a way where there doesn't appear to be a way. And the God who says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you is still with you today. And don't you allow fear to hold you back. Don't you limit what God will do in your life. Don't you say, well, I'm not as smart as that man and I'm not as able as that man. And I'm not as good looking as that man. And I've got too much weight on me. Don't you be saying that. Hallelujah. Say, God can use me and God is for me. Hallelujah. He who started a good work in my life is going to bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want somebody to shout. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have. Deliver our lives from death. So the man answered her, our lives for yours. Come on, Glenn, to the keyboard, if you will. Our lives for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given you the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall, and she said to them, 
Get to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord. Everybody say a scarlet cord. I want you to bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. Then verse 19, I'm not sure we've got it on the screens, but listen closely. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house of his blood, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you have made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. Now this last sentence is very important. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. She bound the scarlet cord. Dear ones, 2,000 years ago at Calvary's cross, wooden timbers became scarlet with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the, in, in the book of Exodus, they celebrate the Passover because God says, when I see the, the blood, I'm going to pass over you. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus shed his blood for you and for me. Jesus shed his life's blood so that you and I could know forgiveness of sins, so that you and I could be made new creatures in Christ, so that we might literally become the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus died for your sins and my sins. And I just want to ask you this morning, if you died tonight, would you wake up in heaven? If you died tonight, do you know that you know that you know that you would wake up in heaven? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That simply means you say, Jesus, save me, forgive me of my sins, come live in my life, make me new on the inside. I renounce sin and Satan and self, and I accept and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood and all that He's done for me. Maybe that you're here today. And you've known the Lord, but life hits you, and life hits you pretty hard. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost a loved one, and you begin wondering, can I count on God? Has God failed me? Maybe you had a financial reversal in your life. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you were betrayed by a friend. And you've been away from God, but today, the Holy Spirit is whispering to your heart, saying, today's the day to get right with God. Maybe you know the Lord Jesus, but you struggle. Am I really saved? Does Jesus, has he really come to live in my heart? I know I've, I've asked him in my life, but I don't have the assurance in my heart. See, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bear witness in our heart that we're a child of God. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving, nobody talking. This is a holy moment. If you'd say, Pastor Terrell, I need the Lord Jesus today. I want you to raise your hand and leave it up until I recognize it. Just raise your hand and leave it up until I recognize it. Pastor Terrell, I need the Lord Jesus Christ today. Yes, thank you. Thank you. 
Pastor Terrell, I need the Lord Jesus Christ today. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. I need the Lord Jesus Christ today. Just, just put your hand up and keep it up until I, until I see it. Come on. There are more of you. I need to get right with God. Thank you. You can put your hand down. There are more of you. I want to get right with God today. I want Jesus Christ to be my King and my Lord, my Master, my Savior. I want to know that I know that I know that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to know that I know that I know. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? I want to know that I know that I know. I want to know that if I died tonight, I'd wake up in heaven. I want the joy of sins forgiven. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask everybody all over this house. I'm going to ask you to stand, but I'm going to ask you, please don't leave yet. I want everybody to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand and be here in support of these that have raised their hands. Everybody all over the house is standing up. Pastor Zach is coming right down here. If you just raised your hand, you say, well, well, I've done this before. That's okay. You do it until it takes. You do it until you know that you know that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to ask you to get out from where you're standing and come down here right now. That's it. Just start moving right now. Get out from where you're standing right now in Jesus' name. Start moving. Start moving. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity in the name of the Lord. This is your opportunity in the name of the Lord. Come right over here to Pastor Zach, if you don't mind, sweetheart. Come on, there there, there, there are four or five more of you that raised your hands. Don't say another time. Don't say another day. You don't know if you'll have another time. You don't know that you'll have another day. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Start rejoicing. Hallelujah. Come on, start rejoicing. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There are more of you. There are more of you. I'm just going to give you another minute here. There are more of you that need to respond. You need to be a part of this. This is very, very important. This is very, very important. Just slip out and say, just excuse me. Just excuse me for a minute. I need to go right down there. Come on. Come and be a part of it. Come and be a part of it. Come and be a part of it. We're going to pray a prayer in support of these that have come forward. We're going to pray a prayer in faith believing. And then right after we pray that prayer, Pastor Zach's going to take you guys to, to, we've got a room back here and he's just got some information he's going to give you. He's not going to keep you long, but it's just going to, it'll take place really quick. Let's pray this prayer together. Everybody together, out loud, use your best voice. Say, Oh Lord God, today I come to you and I ask you to save me. I trust the shed blood of Christ as the full payment for all my sin. I ask you to come live in me, Jesus. I forsake sin. I forsake the devil. I forsake my flesh. Come fill me, Holy Spirit. Come live in me, Lord. Come make a difference in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. 
And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope, where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.